unlock exclusive content and access to our podcast while supporting our show. How is that possible? Become a Narratives of Purpose patron at patreon.com forward slash NOP podcast. and welcome to a new episode of Narratives of Purpose, a podcast that is all about amplifying a social impact. If you are tuning in for the first time, my name is Claire Morigande. I am your host on this show. I bring you unique stories of change makers, stories of people who are contributing to make a difference in society. By showcasing these individual journeys, I would like to inspire you to take action. As you already heard in our previous episode, this season I am welcoming back former guests to find out how their companies, how their organizations have grown since they were first featured on Narratives of Purpose. On today's episode, I am catching up with Alma Moya Rosada. Alma is based in Switzerland. She is the founder and CEO of Equaland, an award-winning edtech startup which builds educational experiences combining digital game play and physical activities. Equaland's mini-games enable children to develop inclusion, creativity and critical thinking skills. Please take a moment to rate and to review our show wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help other listeners find narratives of purpose and further amplify the stories of changemakers we bring on our show. Now, let's listen to Alma's passion for technology to support greater human potential. Because I think, yeah, more and more people in, yeah, have access to internet, have access to technology, and I think education is going to get cheaper as well, thanks to that. So the idea of Equanam is that we want to create uh, a better world through the games we make and uh, we dig on the Blue Planet, this was our first foray that is already available on iOS and Android. And it's set in a, two planets, the yellow and a colorful planet, to guide children through the values of respect, diversity and inclusion while having always fun, you know. Our goal is really to um, create a positive social impact uh, by furthering children's development uh, and creating this diverse uh, and sustainable multiverse. But this show is really a way of gamifying education and educating kids on the social skills that they need to drive on the 21st century. So gamification is going to be a big thing uh, because it's going to help teachers to get their students uh, motivated, you know, and I see also gamification being applied to business, not only into uh, education, but uh, it's going to massively grow and we want to be part of that, you know, <laughs> educational growth on the tech space. I have to say that uh, I see that there is more and more also support for women. I do appreciate that we have more and more uh, visibility. You just heard a short clip of my first interview with Alma over two years ago. She was featured in episode 14 as part of our Tech for Good series, which was released back in August 2021. I encourage you to listen again to that conversation to hear about Alma's amazing journey and what led her to create Equaland. Like every guest I talk to on the podcast, I have been following Alma's work since we first spoke. I caught up with her a few weeks ago 
to learn more about Equaland's growth, but also her personal journey as an entrepreneur. Take a listen. So, Alma, welcome back to Narratives of Purpose. How are you doing? I'm very happy to see you again. It has been a while that we haven't really chatted, so I'm very happy that I'm back to tell and share a bit of all this roller coaster. But uh, yeah, I'm happy to see you. Great, it's good to see you too. And last time we spoke was exactly two years ago. It was the summer of 21. I can imagine that a lot of things happened. So we'll try and break it down. Um, first, speaking about Equaland, can you just quickly remind what is Equaland to our listeners? So Equaland really is a content creation company focused on digital experience. What is digital? It means hands-on and digital games. So we are making learning motivational, but we are mixing reality with the digital world uh, for the students. And we are dedicated to kids between four to 10 years old. So since we last spoke, I know that you've been out in many schools and you had uh, your product tested already. So what was your feedback? And especially, you know, how did you learn from the users in order to evolve Equaland? We have learned a lot from the teachers, uh, a lot of insights from the different teachers. We are in Switzerland, Spain, France and the UK. So we have collected different feedback and inputs from different countries and regions. And, and what we have um, discovered actually is like, and pivot actually the business as well, is how uh, the curriculum is very rigid and solid and it's very difficult to enter into the curriculum as a new tool that as we are. What we have seen and spoken with the schools and teachers, it's like they are more open on extracurricular activities. So that's what have slightly pivot our tool to be also a, a use on extracurricular. But the idea is also on the long term, we keep on doing on the curriculum because the curriculum is shifting towards the future of education, more into social emotional development, as well as global citizenship. So this is happening and it's going to take five to 10 years. So, and we need now users and we need now growth. So that's why we pivot from curricular to extracurricular. That's something that happened while listening to our users. But still there is users that they are using us within the curriculum because they are users that are more tech savvy, that they are seeking for tools and they want to use that. And so there is certain users still, but there is a big also, what we have discovered also by me on the market is that there is a big, big skill gap of teachers. So teachers are afraid, one thing, and don't know how to use a whiteboard or they don't know, you know, how to integrate. So there is also like a digital literacy development for educators themselves. So the, I think the younger generations are ready to, to use the technology, but most of the educators are resistant a little bit about some technology. So basically you came in offering an addition to the curriculum, enabling the younger children to learn different skills, like the, as you were saying, like global citizenship, diversity, inclusion, all these things that are probably not part of the basic curriculum. But then you realize that using the tech tool, many schools are not ready for that, right? Exactly. So there was two different things. They do have already global citizens, like in most of uh, international private schools, they are already educating on sustainability, on inclusion. They are taking that into the curriculum, so that is already included. But not in all of them is mandatory the use of technology, and certain of them is mandatory to use some technology. So 
is pivoting and it's happening also in the public sector uh, because one of this we have two schools in Spain and one of them is mandatory for them to integrate technology and to educate kids on sustainability. So that's why Equalan is like a perfect fit for them because it's like they can yeah use for both purposes. Okay, so you're basically also coming in at the right time, right? <laughs> Now I realized like we are visionaries on the sense that we are, yeah, we are early. So it's like we are the first kind of doing, um, by meaning many schools, like we're kind of the first really focus on global citizenship, creativity, like interpersonal skill development and plan uh, making learning gamify or throw gaming more fun. So I think we are quite unique and that's quite scary. But it's also a good opportunity. But the thing is, like, if you are the first, then you are taking <laughs> all the ups and downs yourself. But I think there is uh, a big opportunity on the market because it's like everything is shifting. And uh, Tor was like including technology, including soft skill development. So it's happening, but slowly. I have to say that education is the slowest industry I ever work, I think. You mean in terms of adopting technology? Adopting change in general. And I was just about to ask because you said you are the first, so Ekron is among the first, but are there other players in the field? I mean, do you have competitors? Obviously, Pioneer is among the first, but I suppose there are some other companies more or less doing the same thing. And do you compete or do you kind of collaborate? Because you're the, all the first ones, right? So there are many like startups, but most of the epic startups that are on the market on content creation, I'm gonna say, they are uh, focusing on existing subjects. So mathematics, science, language, geography, like it's all learning about the classical subjects. It's just like digitalization of current subjects. We are subject agnostic. It's not about subjects, you know, it's about skills and it's about creativity, critical thinking. So it's about creativity, critical thinking, communication, collaboration, that our key four, I would say. And that's what we are different from all the others is that no one is looking on a subject agnostic or more looking into the global citizens thematics that are linked to the UN, that is more like inclusion, self-love, self-confidence, empathy and uh, yeah all these things so that's why we are very different to the rest and in these two years so since last we spoke obviously i think you've learned a lot so i would like on one hand to know about you as a founder as an entrepreneur how has that evolution been in the past two years and also for your company because you had some changes in the team so how did you integrate that walk us through that so from uh, asap Person as a CEO, I think is the two years of maximum growth uh, in my entire life uh, because it's the year, the two years I made the most failures, fuck ups, and mistakes in my life too. So I think I, I want to embrace that and also share with everyone like when you fail is when you learn. And we are in a society that seeing failure as something negative and actually should be something positive because when you fail is because you are trying something and when you try something you make mistakes but then is when you grow and i'm at i'm alma i don't know version 5.0 i don't know which version i'm on which so is, i don't know i think this year uh, i level up in many ways on controlling my emotions how i speak how i you know like manage the team a crisis manage investors stakeholders like how i can like is 
is a, a lot of uh, resilience, a lot of step back, you know, and look to things from like, and getting a lot of advisors. I'm very happy to say they have a different coaches and advisors around me and that, that are really supporting me because it's a very lonely journey. As a CEO, um, I was sharing more stuff with other team members and this was pushing weights on other shoulders and like people, they want to see the CEO or myself at least as like, iron women, rock star, never tires, always smile, never cry. And Actually, I'm a human, you know, like I do cry, I'm scared, I'm tired. Sometimes I have no energy. And I was sharing that sometime with my team for transparency, but then you realize that I can, you can as a CEO that have that image, even though if you want to be transparent, you have to don't show some things. Uh, so because if not, everyone like shakes and, and is scared. So you, you, is you have to be very strong and have confident people like so someone externally to the company that you can share that you are scared or that you are tired of these kind of things. So this is kind of the learnings. Uh, meeting other women are CEOs. I was in a, in Paris invited for like the female ed tech fellowship it was really great to see other females raising six million or revenues like. Four million, like that was like, oh my god, this is possible. Like these women are, are doing it, I can do it too. So that was something it was lacking also that those meeting other female entrepreneurs. That's something also I wanted to ask you because obviously you have the personal growth, but we see that a lot today, be it like board level or anything. There's a lack of representation of women, and just what you mentioned there actually kind of answers my question. I wanted to see how did you go through that being a female entrepreneur, female owner and founder yourself? From myself, it's like I have a really like my grandmother was a business owner. So I have very solid role models within my family. And then on top of that, like now this last year, being connected to other women uh, has really helped to see me okay believing more of myself so i think everyone needs to have or to find and there are we are less but there are there are more and more women owners there are more and more women on boards there are more women of you know like the, we are taking positions we are taking risks we are doing things so you just go and find them uh or try to because we are like uh, growing and actually we are more successful like because we is proven like uh, on on results that we are uh, better uh, investors like uh, investment uh, mm -hmm. opportunities because we we think twice we do things differently mm -hmm. and uh, yeah so I think it's it's an opportunity for investors for women to don't be afraid you know mm -hmm. to just jump into the pool and try. <laughs> That's good. Well, I hope at least that your your experience and the fact that we are sharing about Equaland uh, on the podcast will also inspire other people to to go for it. I have to say, you know, also like when you set up a business, I like this metaphor, but it's kind of like you um, with the funding team, you get married, so you get you get like kind of married. So we were three parents, you know, co-parent, three women co-parenting, then you have a baby in common and. You know, like the baby is the company and then you are co-parenting and, it, and it's very tough. You don't sleep, the baby is crying, you need to feed that. Like, it's very complicated. And then at the end, we got divorced. <laughs> so so this can happen, you can get divorced, but you still have the baby. So one of them has to take ownership of that baby. So 
I like this metaphor because it's really when you speak, I speak with people that are divorced, some people are, it's kind of the same things. And so, and it happened 85% of the time. So mm-hmm. I think it's like super normal that there is misunderstanding, conflict, and, and, and it's, it's part of the journey. Like it's another learning on the process. And it's like, uh, I would say, Recruitment is very key and it's something that I want to highlight here and it's one of my mistakes. Like uh, I, I brought one of my best friends and then I brought one of someone I know from the gaming industry. But if you really look into the sk- scheming, the profiles, uh, there was no one really tech or education. So when you set up a company, you really need to see what are the key profiles you need and the skills that matter. No, um, So there has to be a more hiring process as you do if you want to get married you know I guess you 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 have a full recruitment process so I would advise to everyone like if you want to find a co-founding team or a team really think on the skills you need to set up your business and not bring it family or friends or something big because it is more the skills that you need that counts the most to advance faster because uh, I think that's really key and that's a, a big learning and also that on top of that, it's like building a business is like I do Ironmans and mountaineering and crazy stuff. So endurance sports and building a company is like an Ironman. When you build a company, you need to do this an endurance thing. Like it's going to take two to five years to, you know, like it's a lot of work, not sleeping, no have. So that what I'm saying is like really like if you want to open your business, you need to know that it's, uh, you are into an Ironman. Then on the other side, what I'm saying about sports. So actually, when I moved to Switzerland in two, 2012, so 11 years ago, I set up a because I didn't have friends, family. I was alone, and I was like, okay, how can I make friends? So I said, okay, throw maybe a sports, you know, a ski weekends, and I registered to the 10K of Lausanne and the club of running, so to get to know people. So it was come more like a social sport kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I started the first year, I did the 10K of Lausanne, the second 20K, then a trail, then a Spartan race. And every year I have set up like a different then uh, scuba diving. And then every year I set up a different uh, sport challenge. And actually two years ago, uh, Lucy um, suggested me like I should tra- train on, on and swimming because it was really good. I wasn't really good. And and said, that would be a challenge if you do a triathlon. I was like, well, I really don't like swimming, you know. I never learned when I was little because I have allergic to chloro or anything. Anyway, so like, no, you should try. And I'm like, okay. And then I met a, another woman that is a founder, a little greenhouse, Barbara Lacks, uh, here in Switzerland. Quite a successful woman. When I met her, because when I, we have the same coach, she um, she was saying like okay next week I'm doing the Iron Man of Thun or something like that I was like what you're doing an Iron Man and then Lucy just mentioned I have to do a triathlon like why are you doing an Iron Man it's like you know it's discipline it's you know like it's good balance for my work da-da-da. and then also like it's give you a good image uh, towards investors and stakeholders like if you are capable of doing an item and you are capable of, of, you know, like the metaphor of running your business, right? And then I left, go home and register the half Ironman. And I say, okay, I'm not doing a triathlon, I'm doing a half Ironman. So that was the, the thing. And, and now this year I'm doing a full in next month, in 16th of September. So um, 
But I think it's, it's true. I have applied what Barbara suggested. It's like it's true is give you a discipline to wake up early in the morning, train. Also, when I do, I'm hyperactive and I'm, I'm fired. So when I do my sport, actually it's helped me also to be more balanced and to manage better crisis or problems or how to, you know, like manage the team, the company, whatever happened with a client, if it's like... Uh, so I think it's it's also a good way of managing my energy and 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 also to to be more uh, relaxed and calm to to manage any situation. So I think it's a combination of things. And then I, I've been adding sports mountaineering. It started three years ago as well. So I love outdoors and sports. And it's also like you learn so much of yourself when you are out of your comfort and when you are out there and from nature and uh, nature has so much wisdom that she can tell us a lot of things uh, if we listen to. And I think for, uh, is my me time, I'm gonna say. What I mean by that is like, when I'm cycling, I'm cycling or I'm running or, 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 or mountaining, I'm doing that and I'm, there is no sports, there is no, I, there is no sport, there is no equaline or there is no team like, uh, what I like about this, like I try to focus on what I'm doing, and it's kind of a meditation emotion for me. So it basically brings the balance because you know you can't just do one thing all the time, and at some point you know you <laughs> you, you can't hold it right. It's just like it's either burnout or something else. Yeah. So you need that to find the balance. And uh, no, it's great to to see that other founders are also doing the same thing. And it's interesting what you mentioned that you know it gives you also more credibility somehow to investors and stakeholders that you're able to achieve that so they can also trust you in the business. So that's something I never considered. I think it's interesting point of view to say that, oh, if they know you as a person, you've done this Ironman or triathlon or whatever it is. So they know that basically like on the long term, they can count on your business skills. Because doing endurance sports or mountaineering and things like that, you need discipline. <laughs> Uh, you need determination, commitment. There is a lot of skills, resilience, persistency that you need to do an Ironman or to do a marathon. And that if you have that set skill set, then you can apply that to your business. I wanted to ask you as well, like now you mentioned that you're pioneers and you've kind of also pivoted or even switched a bit your business. How is the landscape and where are you headed? What are your main goals at this point? So now the main on the short term is really focus on sales. So being focused more on the product development, on the methodology and getting the right product market fit and team fit. So that was like the first two. And now it's more focused on conversion of all the leads, all the schools, like moving for pilot to paying customers to like really focus on doubling the sales so far we have been achieved and really like growth uh, and expansion and so that now it's going to be a big weight on sales and then secondly it's going to be like yeah version two of equivalent no like building the platform more focus on educators and how we can you know support them with the content and the tools that they need uh, to deliver a new way of learning no? or, or the future of learning that is more digital and, and more fun and, and yeah, and more focus on the skills that kids need in the future. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good time because you see all these changes and you see that you need different skills. And also with, um, you know, AI coming in, there's so many things that uh, AI is enabling, but the fact is that technology is evolving. And it's 
more and more part of what we do. And it's great on the sense like we all need to learn how to use it for our benefit and also to how to use it like for us to be focused on the things that we are we can use our creativity, our problem solving skills, our communication and focus on the cool things. Because AI, if you need to draft an email, he can do that. If you give the right input, he can do the newsletter for an amazing content. And then you can just, you know, be more creative on the content, on the visuals, on the... It's a great tool for us. We are integrating a new layer for internationalization. So we are putting Equaland available on French, German, Italian, and Spanish uh, on top of English. And this is thanks to AI. We can easily translate. We can easily have voice actors that are robots actually translating the voice act. You know, like it's just incredible how fast we can internationalize now with AI and also how we can also reduce our costs because we need less people doing that type of job. But people are like, ah, no, AI is going to take over all of the jobs. No, we need the jobs, but it will be us using more our soft skills or inter like our creativity to use these tools, you know, and, uh, and these tools can help us doing more the admin or heavy weight of, for example, for the semester, for the um, physical activities, we are like proposing activities and then we ask for more activities and, and then you have a whole semester plan done like that. When before you need a person to build that. Obviously it can help you draft, help you find new ideas. But then you also mentioned like voice actors, which are not natural voices. And your products are for kids. So isn't there like some sort of contradiction that you're not using natural voices? Or is this AI so good that you can't tell the difference? What they use is like a natural voice, but is they you give them text and you can accommodate, you know, like uh, if it's more uh, if softer or if it's nicer or if it's like... Uh, bitter like sweet you can you can adjust you know like uh, but then it's a it's a human voice uh at the end the sound of them it can be more robotic yeah you can kind of feel it but we try to like all, every voice that we have pick is really like it feels like a human one last question i wanted to ask you is what would be your advice for aspiring entrepreneurs and specifically women in tech who are either just starting or who are still thinking of how can they do it because you say there's more and more women and they're quite successful and you're especially in the tech sector. So what would be your advice today? I would say my first advice is first to look at what is on the market because uh, maybe someone doing what you want to do and you can join them. So it's like uh, join forces. I think it's, it's a great thing to do. Don't start something from over from scratch if someone is doing it. So really check on the market where you are heading, what is your idea and if you want you know, collaborate with someone already doing something. So first market, deep dive into the market. And then second is like, don't do it alone and do a recruitment process. Like really, what are the skills you need to, to build that company? Really focus on that. And then third, you need to have like a cheerleader, an advisor or a role model other, or another woman on tech that is already successful that can mentor you or trying to have a life coach or business coach, like someone that can really follow and you can talk to and share all your failures and all your fears, everything to that person. Yeah, that would be my recommendation. So make sure you have a support system basically, right? Yes, yes. Great, thank you very much. 
commitment and dedication to empower children and educators to respect and celebrate diversity is absolutely inspiring. If you're curious to know more about Equaland, then check out their website at equaland.com. As always, you'll find the link in the show notes. If you want to try the Equaland educational mini games with your children, you can also download them on your favorite app store. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I appreciate you taking the time. That was episode 59, a new conversation with Alma Moyalosada. Join me again in two weeks. We'll shift gears to talk about closing the gender funding gap in Africa with another returning guest, Pauline Kölbel. Make sure you leave us a review everywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, remember to share our show with a friend, a colleague, or even a family member. You can also connect with us through our website at narratives-of-purpose.podcastpage.io or through our social handles at Narratives of Purpose Podcast. Until the next episode, take care of yourselves, stay well, and stay inspired. This podcast was produced by Tom at Rustic Studios. Thank you.